So I'm going to put my two co-hosts on the spot. Are you guys ready for this? No. Doesn't matter. I'm the start of the show. Um, with the MLB season delayed and the first two series canceled, baseball fans have a lot more time on their hands, right? Sure. So I'm going to start this off with, can you give a pitch to baseball fans on why they should watch hockey? And why they should cheer for your respective teams. So if you're Jeffrey, the Montreal Canadiens. If you're Anson, the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm going to start with Anson because he's been super quiet. Well, to begin with, uh, our sport currently is playing. Um, our commissioner doesn't call you know, the, well, the Stanley Cup a piece of metal like Rob Manfred does. Um, and I get that he's working for the owners, but... You don't call, you know, the biggest trophy in your sport a piece of metal. That's just like going to tennis, going like, hey, these are just pieces of plates. Why you should, well, you know what? I'd say you should shoot for us because we have a giant ass cannon that scares everyone every time it fires. And that at the end of the day, as of right now, we're playing and we can clearly say that baseball is not going to be playing for the next few weeks if not longer so if i get this correctly your your arguments for hockey is that our owner doesn't our owner our commissioner doesn't suck yes and the stanley cup is at least acknowledged as a trophy yes and for why they should cheer for your team the columbus blue jackets is we play and we have a big ass cannon correct when is the big ass cannon in your words fire it fires at the beginning of uh, the game and every time we score a goal and at the end of every win. So that's quite a few cannons. All right. All right. I'm kind of on board there. Jeffrey? I feel like I'm at an unfair uh, disadvantage here because I don't have, like, I can't be like, oh, I'm in, like, Cleveland or Cincinnati and Columbus is, like, nearby, right? Like, Montreal, we're not... We don't, we're not anywhere close to an MLB franchise. So I don't feel like I can, you know, promote my team. But I would say at least if I'm promoting, you know, just hockey in general to the the average baseball fan, I'd be like, would you like to, you know, watch a game where there's actually constant action, where it's not like there's a lull for, you know, you know, one minute between, you know, every play, you know, it's going to be constant action. You know, you get the odd face off, but, you know, compared to baseball, it's, you know, the puck's moving. And, you know, there's going to be action, you know, most of the game instead of inaction as it is in baseball. Um, I would echo the same thoughts as what Anson said about, you know, Rob Manford. I mean, Gary Bettman's not that much greater, but uh, he's like, he, he's better than whatever Rob Manford is as a commissioner. And I would say like, you know, it's going to be perfect time because, you know, the be- you're going to be missing the beginning of the season. So you're going to be watching playoff hockey most likely. And that's going to be like the real good stuff. So, you know, I would, you know, baseball fans, if you want to see action, come watch some hockey. I don't buy your, it's too far away. That's why you shouldn't cheer for my team. I'm not accepting that excuse, Jeffrey. Why as a baseball fan, should I care about the Montreal Canadiens season? Uh, would you like to see the most up and down team in the NHL? You know, last week we talked about how the Habs were, you know, 
they're going to keep St. Louis and they're, they're going to, you know, you know, go off for like five wins or continue winning. And then they lose like eight, four the next time, you know, this is like, you know, one of the most up and down teams in the NHL. They're young. They don't care for anything because they're going to be crap. So you're going to see a lot of young guys play. It's going to be fast. It's going to be, you know, they're going to be a motivated team and uh, they're still going to lose. So, you know, that's kind of uh that's kind of the sell, I guess, in Montreal. See, was that so hard? Okay, so at least I know your arguments for why you cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. It's a young team. It's up and fat, up and down. It's fast. And why you cheer for hockey is because it's nonstop action. Was that so hard, Jeffrey? I also want to point out that, you know, Montreal is demonstrating the proper way to tank as a franchise. You know, not about, you know, just not spending money. You know, we're actually like, you know, trying to, you know, grow our players and when we're tanking right we're not going to just you know not pay anyone like they do in baseball and just put out like a a triple a lineup right we're actually you know giving young kids we're putting in veterans to you know help support you know these guys we're not just you know cutting payroll to max i think montreal right now has the highest uh you know cap hit in the nhl um i mean with price and um weber on you know, not on the lineup. That's kind of why they're so high up. But, you know, at least, you know, they're showing that they can spend money and still lose, which, you know, baseball, you can't. I'm sorry, Anson, maybe be uh, the middleman here. Is it really a plus to be like, we spend money and we lose? We spend money and we suck. Is that the pitch I'm hearing currently? No, we're just showing like how you're supposed to tank, you know, like all these and MLB franchises like you know the Twins, the Orioles, um, the Astros for the longest time, right? Their tanking was not fun tanking, right? We're a fun tank team, Montreal. That is the most depressing thing I've heard in a long time. We make losing fun. <laughs> all right, all right, but I, I've heard some solid pitches here. The next one I'm going to toss to you guys is why you shouldn't cheer for. Your rival teams. So in this case, I guess who's the biggest rival of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Anson? Kind of up for debate, but I guess in the recency, I and I guess Tampa. I'll give you that, or I'll give you the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why shouldn't you cheer for either one of those teams? Do you want me to go? Does it matter? You only got one, or do you want to go both? It's your call. If you're passionate about it, you can do both. Well, I'll do the one you gave me. Um, you shouldn't go for Pittsburgh because they're going to be on their decline very soon. Crosby's about, what, 30, 35, 36, give or take a little bit. Um, same for Malkin, same for Latang. And, you know, if you're not keen on hockey, these guys are some of the best players for this team. And a couple of years, they're not going to be, you know, once they were, like the prime stuff. They're going to go into a rebuild. Right now, they're doing well, but... Definitely the end is in sight. Whereas, do you want to cheer for uh, Tampa, which is the equivalent of, I would say, the Dodgers, basically having unlimited money and just steamrolling everyone? That's kind of up to you. All right. All right. That's that's a pretty good pitch. I see it. But Jeffrey, I want to see this one's directed at you. you know, the last question, I could kind of be like, it's mostly directed at of Anson because this team's not you know tanking the fart fun tanking um but this is more for you, you know you got you got your pick of the litter 
of who you want as your rivals. Toronto, Boston, I'd say Tampa to a degree. I'd say the Rangers to a degree. Jeffrey, why shouldn't fans cheer for your rival? I think that... Well, I, I feel like we also need to hear your pitches. I don't think it's fair that me and Anson are being, you know, quote unquote, put on the spot and having to do this entire pod by ourselves while you just get to ask stupid questions. But I, I, w- I think that, you know, no one ever wants to cheer for Goliath. You always want to cheer for David. And I think that's what all the rivals that you mentioned there, you know, the Rangers, the Bruins, the Leafs, you know, they're all like Goliaths right now. And why would you want to cheer for them if you, you want to see the underdog story? So screw all the Goliaths in the league. You want to cheer for the David. So, you know, that's that's going to be myself. You know, I think I think that's a pretty good sell because, you know, that's kind of why you. Uh, well, no, you cheer for Goliaths, though, right? You wait until the Kings won and then that's why you start cheering for the Kings. Hold up. Are you comparing the Montreal Canadiens to a small team? The organization with the most amount of Stanley Cups in NHL history, the New York Yankees of the NHL to a small market team? Petite. (laughs) That's what he's saying. It's a petite team. (laughs) I never said that they were a small market. I said that they were an underdog. they're, They're not a good team right now. So you, you want like if you're a hockey fan, right? You want to cheer. You don't want to just you know be like, okay, I'm gonna we'll go watch uh, football for the first time, so I'm gonna automatically start cheering for you know the Bucks, right? You all, like most people want to see like that underdog suit. that gives them you know euphoria, right? And I think if you're like an baseball fan coming into hockey, right, you shouldn't just go for those Goliath teams. You need to pick those like teams on the fringes. That gives you the excitement. That you know, pulls you in as a fan. And, you know, I'm trying to sell, like, the game, right? It's not just selling for, you know, cheering for, like, the non-rivals, right? So you want to have that fun. So in my opinion, I think you got to, you know, screw the Goliaths, right? Like, cheer for those Davids and the the in-betweens of Davids and Goliaths. All right, I completely disagree with that. But I was asked to do a pitch. So here's my pitch. Why do you want to watch hockey? Okay. As the season gets warmer, you want to get into like a more cold environment. Boom, you've got ice. You know, you can stay in the stadiums. It's a nice environment. You know, no mosquitoes. Um, it's somewhat cool, even where, you, you know, you're in a big stadium with a bunch of people. It gets warm, right? But no, you got to get the ice cold, right? So you got to stay in a nice, cool environment in the, in the arena. Um, it's a closer experience because there is no such thing as the 500s. Um, if you're in Toronto, you're not, there's no mile high seats. Um, it's a more intimate experience. I find hockey people are much more chippy and chirpy when they talk in hockey. So it's great there. Um, like baseball, there's a crap ton of stats. If you want to go into the advanced stats and advanced analytics, so you can totally get in there. And like my co-host had mentioned, right? Nonstop action. And the big thing is people look like freaking giants with all the gear they have and you don't lose the balls often because the ice is on a white surface and you have a black puck on top so you don't it's easy to follow along so that's why you should watch hockey um i'm just a pro hockey sentiment there but why you should cheer for the la kings it's real simple unlike jeffrey this is what a true underdog looks like there's only been one eight seed eight is each conference Eight teams go to playoffs. There's only been one eight seed 
in NHL history to win the Stanley Cup. And that is the LA Kings. That's a true underdog story. And just like Jeffrey's mentioning, you know, you got the young guys and everything. Who wants to watch a hockey team or any team at the bottom, bottom, bottom? You want to see them when they're coming up from the bottom, right? And that's where the LA Kings are. We went through that that really tough couple of years. And now we're emerging from the darkness. And this year, they are the surprise of the league. This was a team that was like, according to my co-host, if you listen, if you listen to our season preview, weren't making the playoffs, but they're second in their division. And they're gonna make the playoffs. And like I said before, they snuck in the playoffs and they've won the cup. Only team to do that in NHL history. Why can't it be them again? That's why I should cheer for the LA Kings. And with that, let's set the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. My co-hosts are complaining to me that I didn't give them a chance to rebuttal by the LA Kings are the greatest team in hockey. Let's hear it. I would like to first point out the fact that you encourage people to get closer together, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. You told people to get closer in a closed indoor space so that in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know if that's a great uh, health and safety uh, advice there, Olsen. I'm sorry. Are we not on the same side on this? Are we not both pro hockey here, Jeffrey? I know, but your argument shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, then you can be closer to other people and other fans and be in a nice closed arena where it's, you know, cold and everything, which, you know, cold, not bad, but uh, being in a closed, in, like, enclosed indoor space with a lot of people. I, I don't know if that's the selling point there. Closed, cold space, that means you got to wear your mask is more comfortable when you're wearing a mask and your protective gear compared to the hot muggy um humid environment of a of a ballpark it's more comfortable to keep a mask on while watching hockey i feel like when you're in the ballparks you don't have to wear i don't want to hear it, jeffrey you know what this is clearly a very poor idea <laughs> and when when did the la kings win the when were they the underdog story that you always mentioned 2012 you want to say that a little bit louder? 2012. Jeffrey, when is the last time the Montreal Canadiens have won a cup? 1993. Yeah, don't give me crap about 2012 when you're like 1993, right? All I'm saying is that that's quite a far... Even 1993 is far in the past. So is 2012. So I'm just saying that, you know, it's kind of like saying like you know, oh, we used to have Luke Robitaille, so that's why you should cheer for him. That's not that's not a reason anymore, right? Like you, you gotta look at recent history and the LA Kings' recent history, not a great underdog. I got story. one more thing. I got one more actually winner. If you you know like jerseys, the LA Kings jerseys, all of them slap. Even the new ones, like the ones that get released, oh, those ones slap. They're cultural icons. You know, you see you see people rock those jerseys. Oh, wow. You know, love it. Okay, I'll give you this. It's not as clean as the Winnipeg Jets jersey or the black, red, and yellow Vancouver Canucks jerseys. But the Kings won slap as well. All I'm saying is that, you know, you can't use like recent history, right? Like you got to look. Like, I mean, sorry, you can't use, you can't look at very far past history. You got to look at recent history. You got to look at like the most, you know, 
what's happening right now. And, you know, I, I'll grant you that the LA Kings, you know, they look good second in division, but I feel like that Pacific, it, it's quite rough. Like, you don't know which teams are going to make the playoffs. Like, they're so close to one another that, you know, right now, we, yes, we keep saying that, oh, the Kings are in a playoff spot, like, for the last, like, four or five episodes. But who knows, two episodes, three episodes from now, you know, the entire Pacific can change. Are you saying that Vancouver Canucks currently in the basement of the division are coming back? Well, if you look at, you know, the the Pacific, like they're not in the basement. Like there are four points off from Vegas, like for the final wild card spot. Like they're not that far back. So I wouldn't call them basement, but like L- LA has 65 points, Vegas has 64. So Vancouver's even though like from 2 to 6 in the Pacific, it's separated by 5 points. So what that's that could be a three game change, and then the king the kings could be six, and then the Canucks could be at second. In our season preview show, which you can find on our Spotify, Apple Apple Podcast, Apple I think it's Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find our season preview show where you can listen to my two wonderful co-hosts talking crap about how the LA Kings were going to be in the basement of the division, last of the division, but look where they are. They are, I would even argue, possibly buyers in the trade deadline. I don't know about the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I think that kind of just brings us kind of into the main part of our episode, right? Like, I think there's two teams that, you know, should they sell? Should they buy? Like, are they close enough or are they, like, too far off? Like... The West, like we talked about before, right? In like our mid-season, like we talked about how like a lot of the playoff teams are pretty much set in the East, but like the West, it's a little bit more congested. And I don't know, like I look at Vancouver, they've got a, I want to say a good team, but I don't know, like it, I agree, maybe it might not be a good idea to buy at this deadline just because there's so many teams ahead of them. Okay, here's my issue with the Vancouver Canucks being a buyer. What money are they bu- are they going to be able to buy with? They've got a bunch of money in LTIR. They will have a deadline cap of $2.4 million, which, again, for our listeners who have never really listened to hockey, $2.4 million doesn't really get you much. Where are they supposed to get this money for? Right? And picks-wise, they've got a bunch of their picks, but prospect pool ain't ain't that pretty all their guys too it's starting to reach the mid 20s guys let's just say like brock besser bo horvat like the the first group of like their new core they're starting to get up there and not age i get it it's like 25 26 they're not extremely you know old but at the same time when you're looking at it how like you said it's like how are we gonna contend with like while these guys are still on a reasonable contract, while these guys are still on the roster, right? How are you gonna be able to? Well, you have Patterson for in a couple of years, but Brock Besser's an RFA after this season. Um, you still have like Ekman Larson for what one, two, six years. You got your goalie of the future locked up in Demko, but at the same time, like the rest of that, you got Myers for another two, three years. A bunch of these guys, they're not signed for longer than two three years after this and like you said they don't have much cap so in that scenario do you for you do you go like hey let's just sell and in my opinion i i think you especially for this deadline it's like 
because the Pacific is so close together, I think you sell. You go, you know what? We're not gonna try and fight this. Like we're not gonna be a, have a have a dog in this race. We're just gonna sell. And it's unfortunate, especially for guys like Ekman Larson who got traded to Vancouver. And like, like if you listen to the you know season preview pod, um, like I was very high on Ekman Larson, like a new change of scenery. But man, that has not worked out for both him and um the Vancouver Canucks. I think though, like I think yeah, the big thing like you guys mentioned is that cap space. But I I wonder if they're gonna be one of those teams where. They're going to be like, okay, let's maybe move some cap and then bring in some other players that might make more sense for us. Like you mentioned Brock Besser. I wonder if they look to be like, hey, let's sell him. And then with that cap space, we'll, you know, add up players that might make more sense for our team, both in the short term and long term, like where they can still be like competitive. But like if they end up not like they're not going to, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, it's not going to be like the worst thing in the world. Like, I I I see them moving a Brock Besser because I I just don't see them being able to re- resign him. Like maybe they'll get him back on like arbitration and agree like to a one year contract, but beyond like two years, I don't see Besser in Vancouver. Right. So like, if you're Vancouver, like a you can just outright sell. But I wonder if they're like, okay, we're close enough. Um, this is like a you know, new management group. Maybe we're like, okay, we want to show our fans that, you know, we can, you know, we can, we've t- made a little turnaround. Let's see if we can continue building on the success and, you know, move Besser and then maybe bring back someone else that might be, you know, more of a fit for this team. So I, I may have missed Anson's answer here. Anson's answer here. Holy cow, that's a tongue twister. Do both of you feel... Besser is not part of, uh, cannot be part of a team's core. I think with the current situation in Vancouver, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And it sucks because, like, he's only 25, like 26 this year, right? It's, he's an RFA, like Jeffrey said. I think at best, if he wants to stay, you know, he'll sign like a long-term contract, but at the end of the day, it's a business and these guys want to get paid. I don't think, even if he signs, I don't foresee him staying longer than one, maybe two years. And in that scenario, I think while he has RFA, like while he's still going to RFA this offseason, I think the best move for the Canucks is to trade him now. So then the other team who acquires him also has another year of moving forward. I agree with Anson there. Like with Besser, like in their current situation, if they didn't bring in Ekman Larson and they didn't bring in Connor Garland and sign him to an extension, they would have more, you know, long-term flexibility of what they want to do with their cap. But because those two guys are now signed to long-term contracts, like you're thinking about Pedersen and how you're going to resign him, right? In a couple of years. You can't afford to give Besser that long-term contract knowing that, you know, Pedersen can take up a lot of money and, you know, how how are you going to fill out the rest of your team? Like, you're going to have to get players. Um, you've got Horvat, who's coming up next year as well, that you probably want to resign as well. Like, if you're looking at this team, I think that Besser just doesn't have a place anymore. and Or just mainly that they don't have this you know, space to keep him long-term. So I think they need to move him while they can 
because you know as a rental i think he'd be great plus you know even if they don't consider him as a rental right because he still has um arm rights next year like a team can you know potentially you know use him as like a more like for future years but it, it just seems hard to, uh, for us to see you know him staying with the canucks any longer than a year man i was looking at that uh all reckman larson deal i oh my gosh i don't even know what like that is just such a train wreck of a deal like i don't even know what to tell you i is it bad that I feel that the Coyotes have won that deal? Because, like, Beagle, Erickson, and Roussel, all their contracts end at the end of this year. They got a first-round pick, and seems like Dylan Genther is a stud. Plays playing real well. And a second and seventh, you know, those are sweet. Um, yes, they got Connor Garland, but his signing rights. Like, realistically, unless they're really afraid that Connor Garland was going to, you know, sign somewhere else. Like those, like five or six days, really made that difference. Like I guess, right? Um, but then Ekman Larson still has one, two, three, four, five more years after this year at eight point two five, no movement clause. Like I feel like at this point he's probably good for what twenty points, twenty five. Okay, I'll give you thirty points. He's he's thirty now. <laughs> like how is it possible that the Canucks? lost that deal even though they gave up three cap anchors well like the thing the thing with for me is also just looking at it initially i think we were all like you know what this is a good trade for vancouver if ekman larson turns it around that's what it was really contingent on and like garland was a really nice i guess throw in in a sense he's a pretty serviceable like middle to top six forward right 25 years old I'd say like reasonable contract could be a little less, but yeah. But I think that the, I don't know what you call it, but the issue was you gave up, I say what, 12 million in terms of cap space of like in one year in exchange for taking on 7.85 times six years plus basically enough 25 million in Garland. And that's like what Jim Benning was very, poor at was basically he always had to have a very bad contract on his team and he couldn't just you know wait it out he got rid of um you know like you said erickson beagle and Roussel, along with the couple of draft picks but in exchange he took on the anchor that is currently known as oliver ekman larson well I think the one thing we're forgetting here was like this past off season, they had to sign Quinn Hughes. They had to sign um, Elias Pedersen. Like they needed cap space, right? And that was like the one way of, you know, at least getting something back instead of just, you know, having to put on sweeteners to get rid of the Beagle, the Erickson, um, the Roussel contracts was to take on a contract with more term but less cap this year so that they could, you know, be under the cap. So I think we're forgetting that piece in this conversation here. So like, obviously, yeah, you're, you're hoping Ekman Larson could have been, you know, a better player, but I think we just forget the point, right? Like the point of this trade was to clear up cap space for this year and that they were just going to push the problems for later. And now we're kind of seeing that effect, right? Like, you know, Vancouver is now in a conundrum, right? Like 
they're not going to have a lot of cap space in the next couple of years. So do they start to rebuild this trade deadline or like start selling off their pieces now? Or do they think they can still make a run this season? And it, it seems I think we're all kind of in agreement that they'll probably sell. I feel like, okay, you probably could have gotten rid of that Erickson contract for a first because it's only one year, right? I feel like you probably could have gotten rid of that resale contract for a second because it's only one year. And I also feel like you probably could have got rid of that Beagle contract with like a, a neck, like the upcoming second as well, another second as well to get rid of Beagle. Because again, it's only one year. I feel like you probably could have done it separately instead of taking on that. Like that's a deal. Like, I get it. Maybe, like, the clincher was getting those, like, signing rights for Garland, but I don't know about that one. I think your ideal situation was always, you know, Ekman Larson returns into form, right? Like, I think that was your ideal situation. And, like, I don't, I don't say Garland as a throw-in, but like, I think Garland was like a legit player. The only reason why it's the signing rights was because he was an RFA, right? Like his contract is up and he had, you know, rights still. So then that's why Vancouver took him on, right? Like I don't see Garland as a throw in. I He's almost like a, like he's actually, he's an actual asset in this trade. So, and like what Vancouver was wanting, they, wa- they didn't want just picks, right? They wanted actual players that were going to be on their team. So um, I have to disagree with you guys on that, but I don't know. Like, I think, like, to just go back to our original question about, like, you know, Vancouver, you know, buy or sell, like, it's probably a sell. And I think it it starts with Besser, but then I just not sure, like, who else is going to be at the door next? I think, I think if you do um, Besser, you also got to do JT Miller. He's older, he's got a couple more years. He's still playing at very elite level. I think you got to get rid of him if you get rid of Besser as well. No, I, I can agree with you on that. Like, uh, Miller seems to be, like, the highest. Like, he's the one that's been talked about the most, I think, in NHL circles at the trade deadline. But, I don't know. It seems to me, like, they're more than willing to keep him. Like, he's the heart and soul of the team. Like, it's hard to, you know, see them selling him. And, he like, he still has an extra year left. So, he's not a pure rental. So, like... Unless, like, a team, you know, gives Vancouver, you know, the sun and the moon, I don't see Miller moving as likely as Besser. Like, I'm, I don't know, like, I wonder if you see, like, some other pieces maybe move, like, some of the, like, the more depth pieces, but I think Besser's, like, their only real trade chip if they're looking for, like, rentals, or, like, if they're looking to sell off just rentals. I think there might be a sneaky, quiet market. For Travis Hamannick, but we'll see. Another Canadian team, I think, probably selling the deadline, Winnipeg Jets. Like, it's fair to say that it's been a pretty rough year for the Jets, right? For a team that was expecting to make the playoffs, they are not on track to make the playoffs, to say it, to say it politely. The saving grace they do have is that they have a lot of money coming off next year. In the bad sense that they have even less money spent this year. Uh, I think the Canucks at 2.4, the Jets will have $282,000. Um, 
and they don't have their first, they don't have their second or fourth and their third round pick. They don't have, but they have a Columbus Blue Jacket third round pick. How screwed is this team? And who are you selling? I guess the one option we never ever actually talk about is standing pat. Like not selling anyone, not trading, like buying anyone, just standing pat, taking like, like kind of like what the Leafs did with like Bozak and JVR and all them, like where, you know, you just treat them as your own rentals. And like, I look at Winnipeg, you're right. Like they have no wiggle room. I mean, they've got interesting pieces they could sell, like a cop, maybe a Stasny if he comes back from injury. Um, or actually, no, he's not injured. I lied. But like, Cop and Stasny are interesting pieces. I, I, they've got pieces that they could move. But I wonder if you're Winnipeg, you're like, okay, this was a bad year. Um, maybe we might need to move off like Cop and Stasny, or maybe just move one of them and then resign the other guy. Like, I, I, I think if you're Winnipeg, you're in the Central. It's a bloodbath. The Pacific is also a train wreck. I wonder if they feel like they can still maybe sneak in somehow. Because I, I think out of all the teams that are like kind of fighting for, you know, those final wildcard spots, like I, Winnipeg's got a pretty good team, right? Like they're probably better constructed than Dallas, probably better than like Nashville, maybe they're better than Anaheim, they're better than Vancouver. Like I, I wonder if they feel like they can still sneak in. Can I give a, a spicy take for a name that, you know, I wouldn't be overly surprised if they traded? Are you going to say Dubois? Nikolai Ehlers. I know he is, you know, a born and raised Winnipeg player, um, but his no trade clause kicks in next year. He's got $6 million per year for four more years, uh, including this year. Sorry, three more years after this year. You know he can produce, right? Uh, he's at 25 points in 34 games. But I feel like he probably brings you the best return um, for a team that, you know, if they want to consider rebuilding, that'll give you the most return. Uh, they do have, you know, some interesting forwards uh, in the system, like younger guys, like a Cole who can play the wing. Um, and I think the return there would just be more. It's It's a hot take. I get it. But I, I mean, if he was traded, I wouldn't be surprised. But when was the last time that, I guess, a player of this caliber was traded? And would you count, like, you know, the Blake Coleman and the um, Barkley Goodrows in this kind of tier? Or would you just think think of, like, I think Ehlers is above this, like, above those two trades. So, like, when was the last time that, a player of this caliber was traded, and I can't really think of that. But the return that you'll get, because there's no comparable, I feel like if there's... So the hard part is this. You don't want to retain salary, right, for sure, because there's so much time left. For a contender, will they have enough cap space, A, to return to you, and B, will you get enough assets back from that team? But it, I think this also opens up another door where a lot of teams who are bubbling, right? Like, I hate to use this team, but the LA Kings, right? A team that's really young, it's kind of bubbling there. Someone like him, for example, would elevate that core. 
and at the same time give the Jets that flexibility they're looking for. And a team like the Kings, again, I'm not saying the Kings, I'm just saying like a team like them in the sense that they're young, kind of on the bubble of the playoffs. That's a team that have the picks, the prospects, the young players. And Ehlers is at an age where he can be part of that core, where I don't necessarily see that in the Jets. I think he's a little young for that core. I know he's 26, but still, my point's there. Like, Wheeler's 35. I think that Ehlers, like, I get the no-trade clause, but it's only a modified no-trade clause, so I don't. it's not, like, the worst thing in the world to me. I I think it's all dependent on where they see Cole Perfetti on his team. Like, do they see him being, like, if can he come in for Ehlers and take a spot going into, like, even this year or even into next year? And, like, it's hard, you know, like, a guy in their prime can cost control for three more years at a reasonable contract. I think, like, if you're Winnipeg, you think that he can still be a good player for you. And I think, I I'm, I don't know if Winnipeg is in that much of a need of a reset where they're going to trade Ehlers like that. But, I don't know. I don't know if you kind of heard me, like, when you said hot take, I thought you were going to say Dubois. I wonder if they see if they see Perfetti as a center for them in the future, would they sell Dubois then? Like, I could see you know Dubois fetch a lot more, right? If you're looking for, you know, you're saying someone who's cost controlled, younger than Ehlers. Yes, his contract is up this year, but he's an RFA, so you know you still have his rights. I wonder if Dubois could fetch you know a handsome return as well. And then you just, you know, hope Perfetti can come back. You bring back, you know, maybe you keep Cop or Snazny, one or the other, who can, you know, slot in as a third-line center and, you know, provide protection to Perfetti if he isn't able to be that second-line center. I wonder if Dubois could be, like, an interesting, uh, you know, rental or an interesting, you know, trade target at the trade deadline. And I get that he's an interesting asset, but he's only 23. He's not... 28 29 he's like whichever team gets him it's gonna be a long term or most of the time it's gonna be a long term like acquirement also you gotta keep in mind that at the end of his time with columbus he kind of just ragged it because he didn't want to play there um what's not to say that you know he's, he's just gonna rag at whichever city that you trade him to because he's done it before and he could absolutely just do it again. Like he, he wanted to go to Winnipeg because I think his dad was a staff member on I think the AHL development team or something like that. He was like he had family there. So if you do trade Dubois, like he might just not be the same player that uh, he is on the Jets currently. I mean, as long as you don't employ torts, I think you're fine with wherever Dubois plays. And I think Dubois would be fine, right? Like, I I think it's mainly that relationship between Torts and Dubois, not, like, a city and Dubois. So, like, I don't see that as much of a problem. And, like, we've seen, you know, just because he's 23 doesn't mean he's, you know, can't be traded at a trade deadline, right? Like, we've seen younger players, you know, be, you know, players in their prime be traded at a trade deadline. It's not common, but it's still a possibility. So, like I see Dubois, like if we're if you know, Alston's asking about you know which player might you know fetch a bigger return if you're Winnipeg. I think Dubois you know can fetch a lot higher return than um, Ehlers if you know Winnipeg decides to sell at the deadline. 
I don't know, man. I think the term really helps on a reasonable contract, right? Like at the end of the day, yes, Dubois is an RFA with Arbrights, so it shouldn't be that bad. But at five million, like realistically, he's gonna get what seven, seven and a half for a rental. Like you know I mean at the end of the day, the person the team that's trying to pick Dubois has to consider can we re-sign him at seven and a half next year? And I guess you do open up a little bit more of a market for a team that is saying, hey, you know, this is perfect for my core, right? So I think each have their benefits. I'm not sure about that one. Um, but a name that I'm curious about, if there's some sort of interest, um, because we always know it's the big names and all that, right? But I'm curious if a guy like Nathan Beaulieu gets traded for, let's say, a third-round pick as a deadline and a deadline swap for teams that may not get the most, you know, the big, the big players, right. You know, he's reasonable, you know, plays pretty well. He's, you know, a third pairing guy or a depth guy at 1.25 in a year. You're probably, you know, going to let him go make him, let him be a UFA. But that's usually the type of guy. We talk so much about like those big trades, like Bully just screams like 3.55 PM on trade deadline day. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'll be honest. You're not going to get a third round pick for a third pairing guy who plays 11 minutes a night. Like, Okay, I'll give you like a fourth or a fifth. You know what I mean? Like, I'll even make it a fifth. You can definitely get a fifth for Nathan Bowley. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, if I'm a team who's probably really tied up to the cap, I'm not going to be, you know, bringing in a guy, giving up assets for a guy I could probably just call up from my minors type of thing and at a cheaper cap it. So... I mean, yes, he's definitely one of those, you know, 3.59 p.m. on trade deadline day. Or is it 2.59? I don't remember. But, like, he's one of those last-minute guys that might be traded. But, like, he's, I don't know. Like, if you're asking, like, who's the most likely person to be traded of everyone that we've talked about today, I would say, yeah, Nathan Beaulieu, probably most likely, just because he fits that mold of being that last-minute, you know, depth guy that gets traded for a seventh. Okay, so let's get the final thoughts. We'll toss it with Anson because he hasn't said much in the last like five minutes. Well, I was just looking. Um, the last few off seasons and trade deadlines, but uh, he was traded for a third round pick and then a sixth round pick. So he's you're in the ballpark. I'd say that for sure. But yeah, I'd say in a couple of weeks, trade deadline, it's going to be fun. But Right now, I at the same time I would say Pacific Division still still up in the air. You don't know who's going to be first next week. You don't know who's going to be you know fifth next week. I think that's still the fu- the funnest division to keep an eye on. I would like to say that um you know hopefully the MLB gets sorted out. You know it gets really boring in the summer when there's nothing else to watch. So it would be really sad if you know baseball gets locked out you know it, it's a good sport maybe not the best viewing sport um from like if you're from tv but like if you're talking about like in person i think baseball is you know one of the greatest you know outdoor experiences for like you know just like a good you know outdoor experience so i hope baseball comes back for the summer but um if you're not going to be able to watch baseball come watch hockey with us if you're going to watch hockey make sure you listen to your favorite podcast as well. And that's 
the Bag of Fucks podcast and follow us on Twitter at BOP underscore POD. We'll talk to you next week and we love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bag of Fucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.